0: Hello and welcome back to ESPN Scrum Reset after a uh, about a month-long hiatus at Sam Bruce thrilled to be back in action alongside Christy Doran. Uh, mate, Well, we've been away, there's been plenty happening uh, in the game of rugby, of course, right around the world. Uh, we've got the Women's World Cup, which has been a hit across the ditch In New Zealand, uh, quarterfinals coming up this weekend with Australia and New Zealand and, of course, the big guns, England and France all through. Uh, Really looking forward to those games to come and have really enjoyed the the footy that's been played over there to date. Uh, We've got chaos in the English Premiership with a couple of teams going under and potentially a third in jeopardy. Uh, And all the while, we've got uh, the November Test Series, which is starting in October this weekend with a couple of tests falling outside the window in Japan. And, of course, at Murrayfield between the Wallabies. And Scotland, we've had Michael Hooper's return. Uh, we've got a bit of Super Rugby update from you. Uh, some mo- movings, uh, some sorry, some uh, some plans coming to a head finally around the future of Super Rugby Pacific. Uh, we've got a little bit of drama around uh, the eligibility laws that World Rugby uh, updated at the start of the year, and of course, we all saw this coming uh, with Jack Dempsey and a couple of others out there switching allegiances. Uh, but mate, how are you? What's been happening? What's the news?
1: Very well, thanks. It's a good thing you threw to me eventually because you're going to have to catch your breath at some point, weren't you, Brucey? That was quite... And, um, quite and I'm a little bit
0: short of breath, mate, after a second bout of COVID for the year last week. So, uh, yeah, managed to take it home to and with me. Uh,
1: so apologies to
0: anyone who picks it up there, uh, my old man included.
1: Uh, indeed. Well, good that you're talking at this point in time. It's better than some people. But look, fascinating month ahead and really dramatic and you always think about World Cups and the leading period to a World Cup there is just so much up in the air at the moment, we've got the T20 Cricket World Cup going on at the moment and there's 3 or 4 or 5 or 6 different nations where you go well they're right and with the crack here I feel the exact same way with, with, with rugby and where the state of play is 11, 12 months out from the competition getting underway so I'm excited about it. I'm a little bit, I've had a couple of people text me, including Wallabies, text me in recent times saying they're a bit nervous about what might happen in this spring tour. Um, Where to start with? It's a good question, but clearly next weekend or this coming weekend is going to be the kickstart with with the Wallabies in Scotland at Muirfield. And that's been a bogey nation for the Wallabies for a little while, a side that you usually always banged in the past, but you can't do that now. No, you
0: really can't. Uh, and they've really struggled against Scotland in, in recent times. A very close game at Murrayfield last year, mate. You might have to slip up with Muirfield there. I'm sure a few Wallabies hoping they might get to Muirfield this week uh, to pull out the big dog and one down, the, one down the middle on a, on a Wednesday off, potentially. But if you think back to last year, it's kind of the exact opposite uh, situation that Australia were in when they come off that fantastic rugby championship. Uh, well, certainly the back end with four straight wins, uh, the stop off. In Japan, And then, of course, the, the drama that was created um, by uh, Quade Cooper, Sean McMahon and Samu Karevi, uh, mm. withdrawing from the remainder of the tour there to to do the best um, to the right thing, sorry, by their their Japanese clubs. Um, now, fast forward, there's clearly no Quade Cooper, there's clearly no Samu Karevi and Sean McMahon hasn't featured at all. Uh, he's fit and healthy, but um, certainly hasn't been called upon by by Dave or any, in any regard this year. Um, and also we have a Wallabies team coming off three straight defeats, um, some rumblings around Dave Rennie's, uh, not so much his future, um, R.A. Chairman Hamish McLennan, of course, endorsing him through to the World Cup, but I guess Dave's saying that he's probably going to make his own mind up before R.A. makes their mind up potentially in terms of an extension beyond the World Cup. So it's a really intriguing, I guess, um. Entry into this five-game spring tour, which let's face it, is is certainly uh, the toughest for for quite some time. With even Italy, you know, if the Wallabies were to drop their next two uh, heading to uh, Florence, I think that test is being
1: played. Um, can you imagine the pressure then? Huge amounts of pressure. What, what tell me before we get there, and we speak a bit about Dave Verrini. Also, exactly that. Will we get an extension? What does he need for an extension? What do you think a pass mark is? Because we heard Andy Marinos say the other day that three was was a pass.
0: I think I think three. Anything less than three is is certainly really disappointing. Even if you think back to that winless tour last year, we're right in the game against Scotland. Probably should have beaten Wales, but for a couple of absolute howlers in that match, uh, refereeing wise, played some really good rugby, but just couldn't get across the line. So I think. Scotland. It all starts this weekend, doesn't it? At Murrayfield, um, you beat Scotland this weekend, and suddenly there's a bit of a spring back in the step. If you don't, you're heading to Paris to to face a French team that's, you know, riding high on the back of, of six Nations success and and a really, you know, wonderful group of players right across the board. Huge amounts of depth that have been created by just the the absolute uh, success of the top fourteen and even the the second division over there in recent times as well. So, I think three's the pass mark. I think you've got to target obviously Scotland. Italy and then the final game against Wales. Um, the Irish have got a few injuries um, and we know the situation with with Johnny Sexton as well, boring so much of the brunt of the the responsibility of that team. So yeah, I think three's got to be the goal. Uh, if you were to get four, well, that's a fantastic return but um, yeah, I, I don't know what you think. Uh, at this stage, three, you know, given what we've seen in recent times and certainly the lack of consistency in this Australian team is going to be a huge challenge uh, just to, to get three.
1: Yeah, I agree. And th- three clearly, from a numerical point of view, that is a pass. If you work it out, sixty percent. So we don't have to be a mathematical genius to. to Another is a- no, certainly not. Um, thanks, Statside uh, Nathan McGuire from Fox Sports. Shout out. Thank you very much. Um, but it's really um. You know, if they, if they were to slip up against the Scotland side, but they somehow managed to sneak a win against the the French or the Irish, then there would be a little bit of leeway, I think. And even if there was two victories, if you could somehow beat one of the French or the Scottish, if you only get three and, none of, and neither of them against Ireland or Scotland, I still think there'll be heavy pressure under Dave Rennie. And I wouldn't think that he'll get a contract extension. If he does... And they managed to get three or four, and one of those against Ireland and France, much more likely. But I think it was clearly there was a little bit of um, Dave Rennie when we addressed the media about eight days ago. Now we're speaking Monday morning, the week leading into the Test match. He he was asked about you know does does he is he concerned about records and his winning percentage? And a follow up question was, are you looking and are you seeking to? to get a contract extension and what is your future looking like beyond the World Cup? And coaches are smart operators, generally speaking. They don't say things if they're not trying to have a pointed message. And it was pretty clear from what I could pick up that Dave was trying to force the issue. And we know that during the England series off the back of the first test, there was a bit of a feel and a talk from coaches included there in RA that Dave Rennie should be locked up sooner rather than later clearly they're going to lose that series and it's quite a dramatic rugby championship but Dave Rennie would have had conversations there were definitely conversations held at Rugby Australia about extending his contract it's now left him in a slightly awkward position are there other um, candidates out there I'm sure there is a, a list and, and Eddie Jones would certainly be one clearly he's off contract at the end of next year's World Cup um, but I think they'll be looking for an Australian candidate, I, I think, if, and, and certainly that push and that will, will become closer and more evident and obvious if this tour isn't successful.
0: We probably don't need to go too deep into the makeup of the squad, which, as you mentioned, was announced um, about uh, eight or nine days ago now, um, but clearly uh, more injury drama last week uh, just a few hours before they were about to jump on the plane. If you can believe it, Uh, Matt Phillip, um, I believe came down from a line out um, and uh, yeah, did his ACL uh, which I think has taken the Wallabies injury uh, run this year into the thirties. The the number of um, separate incidents they've had, which is quite incredible. Um, Even if you think you could put it down to bad luck there at the start of the year against England. And then you get the knock on effects of Karevi with the Commonwealth games squad and quays, um, doing an Achilles, um, in what was, you know, a classic Achilles moment with no one around. Well, clearly someone around him, but no one touching him or ready to tackle him there, uh, in Argentina. It's just hard to fathom that one team could be so unlucky with injuries, uh, in the one season. But I mean, if anything, surely history can't repeat itself next year in a world cup year. Uh, so maybe they'll get the rub of the green in 2023. Um, but, but, but what are we But,
1: but Sam, two, two things on that. One, there's some aging players in the squad, players Absolutely. that have, have come back, some from overseas where strength and conditioning programs are different. But there's also a lot of young players who are maybe in their first, second, or third year in super rugby. If you look at the makeup, there's not that many players between the ages of 27 and 30. They're really on the other side of 30 or they're in their early to mid 20s. And and that separation of knowing where your body is and everything else like that, experience, knowing how to manage it, that, that is something that I wonder whether or not they've not quite got right because they get flogged going into these, these uh, international weeks and particularly when there's and whether or not this is a coincidence or not, but you look at the Wallabies and how their results have been. When there's a two-week break, they typically get, smashed in the first week not so much in the second week and then in the third week they have a good match where they might win the first match and then the second week there's a drastic drop off and they haven't been able to back up the first week with the second you can see that with Argentina England you can see see that with England you can see that with South Africa and you can see that with New Zealand so stringing matches together from a physical perspective and a mental perspective is is just as much as the on-field rugby smarts I think
0: Let's look at some positional options then this week. Clearly uh, Bernard Foley and Noah Lolicio both fit there at number 10. we know Ben Donaldson was also uh, won the battle of the Australia, a uh, playmakers there with he and Edmed. Um, You would expect that Donaldson might see some time off the bench at some point during the tour, potentially when Bernard Foley is back in Japan for, I think that final test against Wales and, um, But if you're selecting a team this week, uh, did Bernard Foley do enough in in two tests to, I guess, put the Noah Lola CEO plan wherever that is at, at this stage, you know, ahead of the world cup. Um, And there's mixed messages certainly right across his, um, his career at test level so far. And I think from as much as the coaches, as we've discussed uh, at length already as well. Um, But do you expect Bernard Foley to wear the 10 jersey this, this, this weekend And, and what else around, uh, I guess the makeup of this squad, Tom Banks coming straight back in it at, at fullback. Uh, do we see Jock Campbell get a run at some point? We know Will Skelton's not available this weekend, but surely given the crisis at lock uh, injury wise, that he's uh, he's going to play a big role in those middle three tests this time around, you would hope.
1: Yeah, I suspect um, Bernard Foley would definitely start at the 10 jersey. From what my understanding was about Five days before the actual squad was announced, there was some serious whispers that something was going on with Noah Lolasio. In the end, the decision was made for him to go. But it was very, very close for him not to be going. I think I put it in the story earlier in the week off the back of some of that mail that, that Wallaby selectors are still considering whether or not Noah's going to go on the tour. And that's what I'm led to believe is true. I can't see him playing a match for quite some time and maybe only the Italy test uh, or, or the Wales test I think if, if if Foley wasn't there and he was to pick up an injury then I think you'd see Noah come in and that's why I think the Wallabies selectors in the end opted for him to go but also because the Brumbies are having a bit of their break in the next coming weeks and what would he do he'd just be you know sitting around playing with his thumbs if he wasn't on that tour but with Reese Hodge being there, it's both a blessing and a curse, I think, because it means that you don't get more development in, in a backup 10. I think Reese Hodge they'll consider as their backup 10 on the bench, which means that really there's only one out now 10 there. Um, and uh, Noah will, will likely get a start, I imagine, against Wales. Should he be there? Should he fit? Should his form warrant it? Um, but when it, when it comes to guys like Tom Banks, I imagine he'll come almost straight back into it. I, I don't know that for facts yet, but Andrew Kellaway, they like him on the right wing. They know that Marika Corabetti is not going to be there opening up a spot on the left wing. That formation is going to be interesting. Is it a Jordan Patire on the left wing? Possibly. And um, He's played there a bit in the past. We know that with no Matt Phillip there, no Darcy Swain for the first couple of tests, and, um, the second row is likely going to be um, maybe a Jed Holloway is going to partner potentially even a, a Nick Frost in there um, so it's some lots of questions right throughout that interesting that Dave Rennie did point out that will Skelton is going to get more minutes this and you know, I this this tour and and I asked him about that because I said that I sure Barnes and other very informed pundits think that that Will Skelton could tear up the World Cup for the Wallabies. And I put that to him, uh, to Dave, and I said, you know, was this, was how much of it was the strength and conditioning last year that you weren't impressed with, that you weren't going to give him more than 20 minutes? It looks like he'll be thrown to the wolves in, and start against someone like a France. And I think that's great because we need to know more about a player like Will Skelton and also what it can do from a formation perspective if you're starting him in the second row.
0: Absolutely. And you mentioned Jed potentially shifting in to lock there. I guess it opens up the sixth position again, uh, which we know we've got Pete Samo, who is just about the best player for the Wallabies through the Rugby Championship once he got the opportunity to start. Um, Michael Hooper's uh, back. He's speaking to the media later today. So they we'll have updates on that tomorrow, just where he's at. Um, interesting to see whether he comes. Straight back in, if there's any player that you would back to do so, it would be Michael Hooper, absolutely. But perhaps a situation where he's eased off the bench. We know Harry Wilson left at home, another player you and I have spoken a lot about on this podcast over the last couple of years. So interesting to see the makeup
1: of the back row this weekend as well. I, I think you'll see, look, it will be quite a, you know, quite. if there's a side where you can probably have a slightly lighter forward pack, it's against Scotland. And I think you could well see a Ned can come in at six or shore up a, a second row. Um, sorry, shore out the, the, the line out. Um, it will give another line out option. Um, it might allow you to stick with Pete Samu once again at seven, um, albeit from what I understand, they're thinking Pete Samu is more of a six uh, or bench option now for the Wallabies. Um, they're not necessarily seeing him in as an out and out seven. So. That may well lend itself to hoops coming straight back in at seven, but I, I like the idea of the Ned getting going in at six. We know that he he was unfortunately tainted by being he's having his international career rushed by having six straight tests in your first breakout Super Ugly season. Unfortunately, he is still tainted by that rush from five years ago, where they think he's a unfortunately a, a, a lean second row six who's not big enough we saw the physicality on display against japan he's come back uh and i think he can play a a reasonably big role when you've got guys like rob liota um that are missing clearly no harry wilson which you're not surprised about neither of us liked the option of having him with rob valentini um both in that back row but It'll be interesting to see how Lange Gleason progresses throughout this, this tour. But also, uh, you know, Rob Valentini, when does he get a rest? Because he's a guy that is has played close to every minute of this international season. Played close to every minute for the Brumbies, with the exception of the few games he was out injured towards the back end. So... As there's some really interesting questions around how this squad's going to be. Probably Hunter Paisami at twelve, although you could still see a, a Lallana at twelve, given that he was pretty good in Melbourne before getting injured early in that in that second return, but as they like tested Eaton Park, so it will be fascinating to see how this squad is going through over the next couple of days.
0: And fascinating if you think ahead to to whatever team is put out this weekend. And we know at this stage next year, the world cup will be deep into its, uh, its knockout rounds. Um, And who knows just how far the Wallabies will advance. Uh, It's, uh, you know, um, making sure they get past both Wales and Fiji in the pool to start with, or or certainly Fiji um, to be even a a second qualifier, but um, to think, you know, when you and I are on a podcast this time in France, Um, you'll still be there I may well be home I'm not sure about the the situation there Um, but exactly what team we'll be seeing um, for that uh, potential knockout round uh, juxtaposed against the one we've we've got this weekend Um, as we mentioned there's a heap of players still out with injury Um, fascinating to just uh, think ahead and to align the two 23s side by side this time next year
1: yeah, and that's the, that's the great question because you think about a few of the people that aren't there. You've got Quade Cooper, who they're still banking on, which we have no idea whether or not he'll be back. Ditto Samu Karevi. But the two of those instantly put in at 10 and 12. And when you've got two guys which are making up the core, of the axis of the back line and you're not there for a huge chunk of that four-year period, but also the year leading up to it, that is a massive blow for the Wallabies. They've got to work out. This is why this tool is so important. They've got to work out if if they're not the number one options, who the heck are the number two options? Because if you don't know that, then you've got no idea. You enter it with the same minefield that what happened in, in 2019. But it's not only those guys. You think about you know the Rory Arnold's that aren't here for the time being. You know the Rob Leotas, the the Matt Phillips. Do they come into picture at any point? I think Matt Phillips really up against it now, unfortunately, but. There are a number of players where you go, they they well could come into consideration over the next 10 months. Um, the Kirtley Bills of the world, I wouldn't be writing him off at all. Uh, I agreed with John Connolly's comments a couple of weeks ago where he said, you need to find out more about people like John Campbell, whether or not they have a role to play in international rugby. We know what Kirtley Bill can do. He hasn't played in 10 months Um there is a lot of answers, that, uh, questions that need to be answered over the, over the next month, all starts this weekend. I'm, I'm quite excited by it. It's, it, it's, it could go either way, and, and that's, that is what's exciting about sport is you don't always know what's
0: going on. Just one final question before we leave the Wallabies. Um, were you
1: surprised that Kirtley Beal wasn't included in this squad? no. I think that they just—they seriously thought long and hard about it. What was perhaps surprising is some players, and this is something that various people have brought to my attention too, is what's the point of the Australia A program? Is it merely a development tool or is it for the Wallabies uh, in terms of getting players back to speed coming from injury? What What is the Australia A program for? The fact that he didn't go, I thought... Mm, you know, he hasn't played since since February. Uh, the guys probably, and this is Dave Rennie's um, quotes too, probably carrying a couple of extra kilos from where he wants. He's just had a baby. Uh, there were a number of reasons to think mm, he's probably not going at the moment. But I, as I say, I think he could still very much come into it. But it's actually probably a good thing as well from a statement point of view that, hey, you might be Kirtley Bill, you might have played 90-odd test matches, But you need to come back and you need to dominate Super Rugby because the last time you were playing for the Waratahs, things didn't go well and you left at the onset of COVID. Um, So I think from a statement point of view, it's a good thing.
0: Yes, fascinating five weeks of Test Rugby, uh, as you mentioned there. really can't wait to think that uh, we'll go right through to that. First weekend uh, in December, um, a couple of late nights, but also a couple of 7am starts on Sunday, which will be a bit friendlier to uh, Wallabies fans down here, both France and I think the Island game, uh, a 7am kickoff. So um, a little bit of respite, but it doesn't start this way this, that well this weekend with a 3am special, which is j- probably just about the worst time, I think, because um, you probably just got to go straight through the rest of your Sunday, but you and I will be talking bleary-eyed, no doubt, at some stage on Sunday. Uh, but let's talk a little about the, even a lot about the Wallaroos and the Women's Rugby World Cup in general across in New Zealand. Um I think it's been a, a huge success. Uh, Brittany Mitchell was over there for us for ESPN on the opening weekend, did a really good job of, of covering certainly the, the opening match day in, in Auckland where Australia really took it up to the Black Ferns for at least the, the first half there. And then a couple of um, yellow cards uh, coming their way, which seems to be a bit of a problem in Australian rugby discipline right across the board, be it male or female and, um, Uh, But on the whole, they won through to the quarterfinals as a second-place finisher on the weekend um, with a really gritty win over Wales. Probably made it a little bit harder on themselves than they needed to. Again, a common theme in Australian rugby, perhaps. Um, But uh, to get past uh, both Scotland and Wales, who do have you know kind of a semi-professional element in recent, well, certainly the last 12 months, to finish second. Um, And I think with each game, they're they're probably getting better. uh, The Wallaroos, as I mentioned, discipline, a problem, but um, fantastic for these women to to advance to the knockout stage. They now face probably the, the tournament favourites in, in England, which could prove a which will prove a huge challenge for them to get past clearly. But um, how have you seen the tournament in, in general and I guess the the Australian performances as well?
1: Yeah, I watched the, the Wales test quite closely on the weekend. There's there's a lot that they're doing well and then they're just not able to execute the final few touches. Manipulate the defence to to score. They had so much possession on the weekend, and unfortunately, um, sometimes the decision making. Sometimes they're just not strong enough on the board to make sure you get quicker recycle. But um, the fact is that they were gritty enough to come away with the victory. I must say as well that when. When, when you're lining up for a penalty with a couple of minutes to go, uh, but we've dominated territory, I thought, is that the best option to go to the three or is it to keep the corner? Had the same thought, yep. And, and we saw moments later Scotland take the the, the kick restart, and it was a, quite an athletic uh, feat that one was the, the the Welsh player flying through the air to to take it on the ten meter line. Um, it's. England are clearly the biggest favourites you could possibly imagine going into this quarterfinal. But what we saw against New Zealand was that a side that, in knockout footy or in big rugby matches, when the expectation is a side to, to win, um, to dominate, they were very slow out of the blocks. The Kiwis on that occasion, in Australia, what it was a seventeen nil lead? It yep. could have been could have been more. Funny things can happen. Stage fright can occur, and if you slow out of the blocks, then it, then anything can happen. You know, Australia is going to need something like that against England. An English side to be slightly um, off, and Australia to rattle them early, and and hopefully, if they can do that, absorb some of the pressure. And you never know, but I can't. I can't quite foresee that because we know that the english with their strength of the competition the domestic competition that they have they play and they're used to these situations so more regularly than australia's women's society so that's the big big question um you know and and we'll probably see that in the open 10 minutes of of the match Um, how are you seeing it
0: I've really enjoyed it, and I've seen it compared to, I guess, rugby from a, perhaps a bit of a bygone era where, you know, yeah, the some of the execution and decision making isn't perhaps, you know, what we're what we're used to, but um, really kind of gripping matches, some some uh, a lot of um, quality individual play. You mentioned the the, the kickoff take from the, the Scottish winger there on the weekend. Bianterita did the exact same thing for the Wall- Wallaroos, and hasn't she been a fine for? For this team, uh, this tournament, um, Grace Hamilton on 28 carries in a match like that is just phenomenal to have that engine time and time again, the Wallaroos off the top of the line out shifted in the midfield and there was Grace to sorry, Grace to, to bang it up. So more often than not, she was at least half busting the first tackle. So, so what a performance from her and I, I guess a bit of a big shout out to the fact that she could have, he's a player who could have gone and kicked stones about losing. The captaincy and we're not entirely sure how that all played out but um she was even then I think was benched for that opening test against the Black Ferns was it as well she's come back in and proven what a world-class she's genuinely a world-class rugby player Grace Hamilton and just a an almighty shift there in uh, in Fungare on on the weekend so um but yeah I, I really enjoyed it I found myself watching the the Canada and USA game yesterday, Uh, Canada, um, I think winning, uh, beating the US for a sixth straight time, which is a a record for them. Um, Yeah, it's a really good sign for the women's game moving forward. Sure, there's been some blowout scorelines, particularly on the weekend, when I think this gap between the professional or at least the semi-professional teams and then the the women who've potentially only had sort of two or three months together uh, leading into the tournament this year has shown. But um, on the whole, uh, the TMO is killing me again it's absolutely killing me again. That's one thing I will say. And and getting to see the, uh, you know, the vision of the two guys sitting there doing it in the box. Uh, I just love that. Isn't that a great bit of uh, technology advancement for, for television broadcasters, um, but perhaps something we're we've probably got to get used to for France next year as well.
1: Hopefully not, but you're right. But, uh, you know, there is a, an element of or at least you can see the person operating and understanding how they're getting to that conclusion. But, um, the less we see from the TMO, what Nigel Owens spoke about I don't know, four or five weeks ago following Bledisloe 1, the better. I think World Rugby really needs to work out what they want TMO injections for and what's the overall impact. And I'm all for foul play, but I think the rest of it, I think you're going to have to let go as much as possible. Um, rugby played in the grey. It's not black and white. Um, but I think... It's really interesting watching this World Cup played in, in Australian hour friendly, um, friendly hours from an Australian perspective because it's, it's only seven years until a Rugby World Cup is going to be played on Australian shores for the women. Um, what lessons are learnt from that is going to be crucial. I think it's good from just a, even a reminding the administration's perspective about what's the goal, what's the difference between Australia and the rest. What has England done so well? How quickly were they able to do that? But a lot of these questions from both the women's game as well as grassroots is going to be answered over the next 6, 12, 18 months because we know that private equity is getting closer. From my understanding, they're looking like something early next year, something about a March, and it, and it might be actually, in fact, more than, than the 10 and to 12.5% that was initially thought of so um very interesting how they initially use the money and i think um you know there might be uh, some of the super rugby clubs might and franchises might be helped out to begin with just a little bit but then it's certainly going to be addressing both uh grassroots from a women's and a men's perspective so i think that's vital and it's vital seven years out to get some of these structures in place leading into both the World Cups.
0: Absolutely. Uh, but yes, if you haven't been checking out the uh the women's tournament on, on Stan Sport and certainly the Wallaroos on, on Nine Gem, check it out because it's uh, very enjoyable watching. Uh mate, before we leave the international game as a whole, I guess, um just a word on I guess Jack Dempsey's uh switch of allegiance um, had been rumored for some time. We know he moved to across to Glasgow after the 2019 world cup has um, sat out the three years clearly uh, as other players around the world have and we've seen Israel Folau and Charles Pietau, um head for Tonga and any number of other players um Pacific Island nations um I think we all saw this coming it, it probably still doesn't sit all that well but um, once you open the gate and you create the avenue for players to be able to
1: pursue this I guess what else do you expect? What else do you expect? One one question I'll ask you: Is there a difference between a, a Charles Peeteau and an Israel Fallout and and uh, even an Adam Coleman potentially joining a a Pacific Asian uh, Pacific Island nation and Jack Dempsey?
0: Well, y- yes and no. I, I mean, clearly those players are um, I think are going to what well, you'd think strengthen Tonga. Um, if we're talking about Charles and Izzy, although we probably haven't seen that yet, um, but more time together before the World Cup next year, you would think that improvement might come. Um, yeah, Jack. When you when you look at it on the surface of things, he was a guy who was a, it was a proud Wallaby. Um, only played I think about fifteen Tests, but that's still you know quite a few more than a lot of other players who, who wear the gold jersey. Clearly, um, I, I guess you, you can't. You know, disseminate really can you? Um, in my mind, um, does Scotland really need him? I probably don't know enough about the Scottish back row stocks to talk with any great um, qualification on that. It will be interesting to see if he lines up this weekend. Um, clearly, I think you're probably going to see more of it in the future. Like this is only the the tipping sort not in the tipping point, that the starting point really. Um, of players to come. We saw Tawira Kerbalo mentioned in Wallabies discussions. Now, can you imagine that? A, a Wallaby in All Black going um, either way, uh, as was I think it was more Tawira being on the, on the front foot saying, you know, if you, you were to be rocked by injury there at number nine, um, I'd be available. And clearly the, the the Wallabies number nine stocks are probably healthier than just about any other position. So we're likely not to see that. But yeah, look, I, I mean, it's a, it's not a great look. I don't think for the game but in the end if it makes these nations what we refer to i guess as tier two nations even though that's a probably a frame a name a, we're trying a label we're trying to get rid of um if it bolsters these teams um and certainly on the flip side if you think about a player like peter gus so a cooler who's played one all blacks test off the bench has been left out of this squad um and now instead of having his test career ruined forever you know sure he's got to wait three years but hopefully at some point we see big PGS, I just came up with that then, had to think about his name, Um, line up for for Fiji at some point. So I think there's going to be good and bad instances along the way, and we've probably just got to get used to it.
1: Yeah, I I think you're probably right. Look, I don't think it it looks good. I'm still somewhat surprised by it, Um, but... Yeah, you've got to get used to it. Um, when you open up something like this, this is the ramifications. Um, rules will be exploited where they can, and we see that at every second rack, so why should we see it? Um, off the field as well. Off yeah. the field as well. So, no, good luck to him, and I think it will be add to a spicy occasion. I imagine he'll be called one or two things um, from a number of Waratahs and Australian players. But Jack Dempsey's a good player who didn't quite have consistency, the consistency enough at test level to demand a spot. And he probably wouldn't find himself over there. He did have that, but good player who, you know, had a, a great match against the All Blacks. I think it was in, in 20, yep.
0: 2017
1: in Brisbane. So um, and we saw him have little good cameos off the bench at times too. So, Should be a a great game. No Finn Russell, which is a big one. How that impacts, we don't have Stuart Hulk having the captaincy for Scotland. So uh, much and and, yeah, much to assess, analyse, see the progression of these nations um, go through. It's probably the most fascinating November series in some time. I thought last year was a good one. We saw in 2018, it was a great one when. New Zealand were almost beaten by England and there was a disallowed try at the end there. Um, lots at stake over the next five weeks. Yeah, can't wait for that one,
0: for the finale there, England. And the All Blacks, uh, mate, just before we wrap up, a, a super rugby update from you. Uh, we know there's been a lot of chess beating uh, this year from from both sides of the Tasman um, and certainly Hamish McLennan uh, just, I guess, trying to get the, the best deal for Australia as possible with some, some threats or some very you know, some genuine um, thoughts that uh, Australia could go it alone. That suddenly doesn't look the case. So I'm kind of, for one, glad we've got to this situation, if that in does indeed to be proved correct. Um, certainly, uh, perhaps, certainly not the 50-50 split that they were, they were hoping for, but a better deal um, with chances of, obviously, with uh, Australian rugby, as you mentioned earlier, the, doing their own private equity deal uh, to shore up the game into the future, um, that Super Rugby Pacific won't die on the scrap heap after just two
1: years? No, it would be a massive shame if that happened because, you know, time-zone frame, time zone friendly uh, tournament at long last, it allows consistency, it allows um, people to know what time matches are being played, which is really, really important. From my understanding, RA will likely still get some money from New Zealand Rugby over the next couple of seasons from 24 and 25 um, it won't be 50%, but by 2026, it will be 50%. Um, uh, Mark Robertson was joined by Rob Nicol um, over in Sydney at, at Rugby Australia headquarters last Monday where they had a meeting. I um, believe it was was a very successful one, very close to being signed. wasn't quite signed, but that's only a good thing because there's... Um, super rugby franchises on either side of the ditch that can't have you know if you're striking up a sponsorship deal and i know in one instance one one super rugby franchise which has got a sponsorship with tab tab chose to only have a a one-year deal extension rather than a two-year because they weren't quite sure what was going on beyond 2024 so those sorts of things are very important when it comes to the sustainability, the viability of these super rugby franchises, particularly after what we've seen over the last few weeks up in the English Premiership with Worcester Wolves and then following that, Wasps going under. So um, uh, very, very important that that private equity comes over the top of this and also helps. But for the time being, um, good to see a couple of grown men getting to the table and working it out and and, uh, hopefully a a successful super rugby competition going forward, because it wasn't that long ago. It was the best competition in the world. It certainly isn't now, but it it has the potential to get back there, I think.
0: And first, you know, a properly non-affected COVID season ahead. Uh, We remember the dramas of this year with uh, postponed matches at the start, making it really tough on, Moana Pacifica, um, the Waratahs have got their new stadium. They finally got, speaking of sponsors, they finally got a jersey sponsor announced last a, week, which a, is a, a, a big a, step.
1: A seven-figure sponsorship as well. And I ask questions about that. Is that important? Was it the right decision to hold back? Absolutely. Because if you don't go to that seven-figure mark to begin with, then the other sponsorships will go, hang on, well, why are we paying you so much? We'll also have a bit of that back too. So, Important, But also the new high-performance facility at Daceyville, they're going to be getting out of the demountables, which is uh, a good thing if a, a young bloke like Joseph Swaley comes knocking and realise he's not going to be sitting in a, a made-up demountable, but there is a, a new high-performance centre just across the oval there at Daceyville.
0: Yeah, bit doing with Joseph Suali at this point. I'm sure that's a player we're going to be talking a lot more about, uh, certainly early next year. Uh, Mate, I think that's a pretty good wrap for the first pod in about a month. Uh, Fantastic to see you and, and chat a bit of code. Again, uh, as we mentioned earlier, just a um, a brilliant uh, month of rugby coming up. Not just from an Australian perspective, but but right across the board, uh, plenty of Sundays uh, catching up on those matches you don't watch through the night. And uh, but I think both you and I will be uh, setting the alarm for three a.m. or thereabouts on uh, on Sunday morning. Um, and yeah, we'll chat then and uh, reflect on what will no doubt be an intriguing start to the Wallabies'
1: uh, end of season tour. Good chat. I'm going to go get a coffee because I've really wanted one all morning. It's such a sleepy old Monday morning here in Sydney with the rain continuing to come down. So, on that note, good to join and uh, enjoy the rugby ahead. Absolutely.